Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an, an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company's Integrative Technologies. Hello, John. Good to be back. Yeah, same here, Chris. And uh, almost on time, clockwork-wise, of keeping to our monthly schedule here. Uh, we are in the kind of the summer mode, and it doesn't quite feel like summer. But we are seeing signs of life, of course, with COVID getting a little less on the front page, but then it keeps coming back, doesn't it? It's, it's, it doesn't go away, and it's still a presence in everything we're doing right now. But we'll get to that a little uh, later on. But I thought I'd to keep it topical, Chris, I wanted to jump into some news uh, that was coming this week, where we are recording in advance of our August um, episode here. The news that uh, Zoom made a big splash firing 5.9, a contact center vendor, uh, pure play in that space. And it really is, in some ways, much to be expected and even necessary for Zoom to keep its trajectory of growth going. But I think it uh, speaks a lot of volumes about this trend of consolidation that we have talked about off and on in various spaces around these technologies. I'm sure you uh, are having the same reaction as I am, Chris, to this. I think it's hard to become, to add contact center functionality to a platform like Zoom without acquiring it. It's a big organic investment and and you don't really have the DNA. And conferencing is different. It's just a different algorithm. It's a different set of metrics and everything else. So it, it makes sense, right? And uh, I think Zoom in its pure play space has had a wonderful ride and very justifiably so. But they're they're seeing a lot of competition from things like Teams, where you know Teams just comes in as part of the enterprise license for Microsoft and it it works well enough that I think it's I think it's real competition. Whether it's better or not, it's competition. Right, John? Sure. For sure. And, you know, the, the whole UC, UCAS space that is core to what I do in my practice, uh, we've seen this evolution happen uh, over and over again with different applications, right? So last year, you know, COVID really jump started the need for video. And that's kind of what gave Zoom its, its real boost into the big leagues, you know. It's easy to forget that a company like Zoom is not new. They've been around almost, I think this is their 10th year, much like Five9, who I think have been in the, in the market 13 years. So these are not young companies, but they are pretty recent on most people's radar. Um, but Zoom really was right place, right time for video, which was the application du jour for last year. And look at all the consolidation that happened since then with video becoming a must-have capability. And uh, now everyone found themselves chasing Zoom because they just came to market with a, you know the right experience at the right time, 
and uh, ease of use, of course, as we've talked about on other episodes before. But Zoom kind of has, you know, their ceiling for growth is getting close with that particular set of applications and that type of a platform. You know, they've made bold moves to push into more of the UC space as opposed to strictly video conferencing, right? And they've added voice recently, right? They have Zoom phone and they've had a lot of success with that because it's probably easier to add voice to video than it is to add video to voice. Um, But they found their way into the market pretty well and they've just built a fantastic brand uh, overnight. And this is a bit of a tangent to this, Chris, but it's interesting to know that, you know, the Eric uh, Wan, who, who leads Zoom, he got his start at Cisco. I'm pretty sure about that. And it's interesting how a lot of people who did their time learning these technologies at big companies, but came up against walls for what they wanted to do or where they wanted to take it, have gone off on their own. And he's not the first to have left a big technology company to cause these big disruptions in the market that have really just changed the landscape. I think, I think if you look in the world of tech, the number of people who've come from Cisco is in particular is pretty amazing uh, in all of the world of communications and networking security. Um, and I, I don't see that as a knock on Cisco necessarily. I just think it, it gets you started and you you work for the leader and you see where the strengths and the weaknesses are and you get an independent idea and you go off and start a business. And you, you see that with all of the big companies, as you say, John, right? Google, Microsoft, every, IBM, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the certainly the spirit of innovation, you know, never never dies and finding a better way to do things. And that's, you know, that's a good example of the, the free market working well. Um, where it ultimately goes is another, is another story. And that, we might get to that later in this podcast. But I just wanted to mention... You know, the cycle we saw with video during the pandemic is now playing out in the contact center space. And I just wanted to, as a sidebar to this, it's interesting to also to add that this week, Salesforce finalized their acquisition of Slack, which again, these are big money acquisitions, right? And again, big players making these big moves to consolidate their positions in these in these fast growing markets and the contact center space I think we're got, we're we're starting to see now where this is shaping up because there's this kind of existential issue between contact center vendors the established players like Avaya who have been so dominant for so long and Genesis now coming up against CRM players like Salesforce who are kind of butting up against the contact center vendors for dominance in this space. And it's, you know, that move to add Slack, much like the way Zoom has pushed into other spaces is gonna open the door for more of this kind of, you know, fluidity between CRM players and contact center vendors. And the only way they can seem to really move the needle is by making big acquisitions. So they don't do things organically. They don't do things by building and, and, you know, creating their own. These days, it just moves too fast. And for Zoom to make the splash it needed to in Contact Center, they had to acquire one of the bigger standalones. And, you know, 5.9 was, you know, probably the right size, the right type of uh, success model 
for them to make that fit and to go forward. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I, it, most people are viewing this as a, as a win-win for those two particular companies, what it says for the rest of the market, that's, you know, the response will come. Well, this is one point of view, so you can agree or disagree, but at some point you can go a long way being very good at a specialty, which is not the broader market, but you only are going to be able to go so far in most, in most things. That's not true in every side of tech. Um, there are specialty niches where you can be good, mostly around government spending and things like that, where you could be good and you can you can continue and continue. But especially once you become a public company, as Zoom did, and it has such a good run, you know, the you're basically driven by investor expectations of growth. And in the business in the business of what Zoom has traditionally done so well you know how long is the growth going to continue right you have to add growth you have to add another piece to your total addressable market and something synergistic you hope and contact center seems to be very much that for them sure the um upside for contact center is probably richer than it is with uh collaboration because so many of the communications apps that make up these uc platforms are widely available and the problems that the early versions of UC have addressed have kind of been you know, solved. And there's more commoditization happening in UC than there is in contact center. So there's a, a stronger business case to be in the contact center space. It's the kind of problems that need to be solved are more impactful on the bottom line, which is why businesses are really you know, embracing these changes because they know if their customers aren't happy, the business doesn't grow. So there's a lot of growth in the contact center space because there's a real need to improve customer experience, customer service, customer satisfaction, all of these things that have long been issues in just about every vertical you can imagine. So that's why the contact center space has been so dynamic, largely because of the cloud. That's what's enabled all this innovation that is taking customer service to a new level now, but not everybody is ready to go for the ride. So it's some are moving in good time. And it speaks to something you said earlier, Chris, it speaks to the winners in this kind of digital revolution we're going through now, and the companies that kind of can adapt to what being digital means. And what, what I mean by that is companies like Five9, TalkDesk, uh, even some of the smaller companies like Sharpen, uh, Novelbox, these are companies that are digital and they have built all of their capabilities from the cloud up, you know, from the bottom up on the cloud. And they are totally aligned with what required, is required for digital customer experience. And it's different from what the traditional contact center world has always been built on, which has primarily been voice and telephony based. And that world, that model doesn't really cut it today. It's, it's part of it, but it's not the whole story. And these digital companies get it. And, and when you see the kind of success they have with companies that are leaders in their markets, they're leaders because they're digital first. And companies like, for example, you know, 
Uh, Peloton is a good example of this, which had a lot of success during the pandemic because people were doing fitness at home, right? Their business model is, is totally, you know, there's been, we've had exercise bikes forever, but their model is that it's a digital experience. And that's what people are really buying into. It's the social element to it. So many pieces that are not from the analog world. And companies like that are growing faster than, you know, they can manage. You know, the, 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 the tech talent wars that we're seeing are from companies that are learning to be digital and they're moving a lot faster, having greater success, dominating the markets faster and better than traditional analog companies that are slow to adopt these technologies. And that's really what the digital divide in our, our certainly in our North American economy is boiling down to right now. So I think what we're seeing with this Zoom 5.9 thing is a, is a reflection of this emerging kind of need for companies to adapt to the realities of the digital economy right now. That's a bigger picture take on it, Chris, but I, I think they're connected. I agree. I agree, John. I think that's a great analysis, but I, I also think there's one other angle too, is that it's a real uphill road after a certain period of time. If you're an independent vendor dealing with enterprise customers, you know, during the pandemic, Zoom had such a wide ranging, you know, they were there. When, so it was basically painless for an enterprise to take a tactical move when they're in recovery mode and they needed something that worked and was super painless and you could install it on uh, anything and, you know, people could use it real easily and everything was perfect, right? But, you know, once it gets into the longer term, it's, it's hard to be like just a video conferencing collaboration vendor. And we found that in UCAS all along, right? Eventually, IT doesn't want to deal with a whole bunch of different vendors. And so, you know, one of the ways that I think Cisco really solidified to take one example, but it wasn't just them, it was Avaya even and as well. And some of the other vendors really solidified their, their position as strategic enterprise vendors was they got into some into a bunch of different solutions that worked together. Maybe not as great as a point solution would work in any area, but you're, it's kind of one throat to choke, you know, as everybody says. Um, and when Cisco got into call centers, as opposed to just VOIP, it really in, increased their franchise. And I think part of the 5.9 move is um, a little bit of a modern version of that and probably be successful. It should be. It should be. And I'm glad you mentioned enterprise because one angle that I have not seen talked up at all about this rationale for acquiring five nine is they have been very uh, they've been very uh, upfront about this where their success has been coming from in the last year and huge part of it is their ability to win big enterprise deals and that's something that is not good news for the avias and genesis of the world because they have long dominated enterprise contact center space and when these relatively smaller companies, they're still pretty big, but you know, when these guys are having that kind of success, it speaks to, you know, the validation of these cloud platforms are doing the job, they scale, and that big enterprise market, you know, this is that that's why I, I think is a key reason why Zoom wanted to be part of them because or be be, you know, be part of that play 
is because Five Nine is bringing that penetration to large enterprises, and that obviously is where the money is for companies like Zoom. You know, that's one of the reasons why Slack did not, I, I believe, did not survive as an independent because they couldn't really crack that enterprise market, which is again where the real money is for long-term growth that these companies all need to be chasing. Well, especially if you're public, it's recurring revenue as well as growth. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to sign it. You're not going to go month to month. If you're an enterprise, you're going to sign a site license. You're going to sign a global license. And and once you've gone through the vendor onboarding and the integration and everything else, vendors are pretty sticky. So anyway, no, I think it's it's all good. And I also think that just purely from a branding standpoint, if you think if you if five nine becomes the zoom of call centers and vice versa, right, then that's that's feels like a good brand, right? Because if you think about even relatively modern call center technology, the Im immense IT investment it takes, and the maintenance and the cost, if you think of a of a next generation thing as Zoom was in its field, it feels like a good thing, don't you think? It does. It does, and that, that and then it invariably points to okay, who's next, right? When the when all the when the, when the music stops and all the dance partners have been lined up, you know, who's going to be left out there without a partner? And eventually that time will come. And I, I would, I'm pretty certain we'll know by the end of this year, because, you know, dominoes kind of fall in rhythm. And uh, I think we'll see other companies look to say, okay, what are we going to do now for our contacts and play much like you know, again, the, the, the cycle we saw last year with the video players being snapped up, we're going to see others, if anything, just to make defensive moves. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, will, will Avaya still be around at the end of the year? Will the smaller players like TalkDesk, who are also doing quite well, will they still be out there independent or will other players make their moves? So we'll have to watch. That's definitely a watch this space theme, right, Chris? Definitely, John. So uh, we spent more time on that than I thought we were going to spend, but we were going to talk for a couple of minutes about the return to work, sort of, I think we were calling yeah. it. So what do you think about that? Like, so yeah. companies are coming back to work, uh, music venues are starting up, sporting events. What are you thinking? How's it going? What are you hearing? Yeah, well, it, it could be a bit of, you know, I, I think it will be mixed bag. It's interesting to see as a sport guy, you know, it's good to see fans in the stands out attending live events. Uh, it's not the case, obviously, at the Olympics in Tokyo right now. So I don't know what to make of it. You know, is, is, is sporting any more compelling to watch on TV without fans? For some it will, for some it won't. But the bot, you know, I think the main idea here is that if there's enough confidence that we can gather in large groups now. It's obviously good news for all kinds of reasons, but we're always wary of a, of a pushback from another variant or whatever happening and just killing that momentum that we've been seeing. But I think, you know, certainly we, I've mentioned this in an earlier podcast that I think some of the pro sports leagues, basketball in particular, I think they've done a very good job of kind of balancing the challenges of not just for the fan experience, but also keeping the players safe and doing a reasonably good job. And we're seeing that now with, you know, movie theaters opening up, you know, and music obviously and, and, and live theater, you know, they're, they're starting smaller scale, but now there are large scale music events happening and 
I guess we'll see soon enough if it's uh, a good idea or not. But as you say, with the same idea, return to work is return to office is no different, right? If we feel that there's enough control happening around the, the pandemic, that enough preventative measures have been taken, we're getting herd immunity, et cetera, that it's reasonably safe. But as you've noted earlier, Chris, in your own day-to-day, you know, maybe habits have changed for, for good for people liking what they're doing, not in the office, right? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things, John. I think I'm on the side of thinking that there is long-term change, that the idea of for a lot of people, not everybody, it depends on the job, right? It depends something on somewhat on the corporate culture, but I think less than some corporations would wish that they can bring everybody in every day. I think long-term, there are going to be a lot of people, and it's not just going to be one demographic or one generation, who are going to look back and say, I don't really want to do the schlepping five days a week that I, you know, and I, I can, there are things that are part of my job that I just do better when I'm by myself or at home or whatever. So, but, but I don't, I also don't think that the data that we're seeing right now at the end of July, you know, 2021 is necessarily completely predictive. And what I mean by that is the return to work right now in a lot of places is really light. There just aren't that many people coming back. And I do think that part of that is due to the fact that we're not really out of the woods yet with the pandemic, with the, with especially in the U.S. and everywhere with the Delta variant. And, you know, people, there's a lot of people who, even if they may not be opposed or mind wearing masks in the general sense, don't see why you have to come in. You know, what's fun about coming into work and having to take so many precautions all the time, even though that's the right thing to do. So I don't think we're I don't think we're ready to make all kinds of work of the future predictions is my bottom line. I feel like we're not quite out of business continuity mode as I always think of it yet despite proclaiming that facilities are open and I when it comes to sports and music you know we first have to realize that in a lot of places you know you would only hear about the places where it's been so restricted but in a lot of places, it's kind of been open um, for a while. And, you know, the evidence is that when it opens up, people do come back. So I know that I'm really looking forward when I feel safe to come back and hear live music. And, you know, if you like to go to a ball game, you would really like to go, right? So you know you're going to do that when you feel safe. It's just a matter of timing. But when it comes to the office and work style, I'm not so sure. That's kind of how I feel about it. I feel that now is a bad time to make all kinds of judgments because I think the return to work is not what it will be. There will be more people coming back, but it I just don't think it's ever going to be what it was, right? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that too. The um, the model, this hybrid model that uh, I've certainly been talking about a lot lately is I think it's the new normal, so to speak, and there's challenges on both sides for keeping home-based workers engaged and bringing people back into an office environment on a regular basis. So that is to be determined as we know, but um, I, 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 as you've been saying, you know, I, I, my, my optimism tells me that 
um, people will find a happy medium because the social element of the workplace, just like the social element of going to a concert, going to a sporting event, going to see a theater event, is really is a really important part of the whole thing. And people crave that. And, and they can only stay isolated for so long doing everything. I wonder, though, if, um, if it's safer for people to go to those cultural entertainment things, if that's enough social contact for people to say, you know what, that I really enjoy doing, but being around my coworkers, not so much. And I'm just wondering if that experience in those realms will be enough social activity for people to say, you know what, if I have a choice about work, I'd rather not be there. I think that could be an interesting dynamic to watch for. And, and I want to, I'm trying to raise it now, Chris, because we're kind of in summer. This is the time of year when people, A, are normally out and about doing things like this, and B, because the, the pandemic has reached a level where it's more manageable now that we can feel good about doing these things. So we're starting to see all of this kind of line up at the same time now. So it's good to bring it up, I think, now on our podcast. And uh, uh, as always, time will tell how it plays out. Well, maybe we can benchmark it a little bit every month. We'll return to the topic because I think this is a, if you think about the themes related to watch this space and what we always talk about, the recovery and the nature of the recovery is really the biggest, it's, it's, it's almost a bigger theme than technology itself, but it's sort of one of our twin themes where the other being the evolution of the technology. So I think we need to, we need to revisit, we need to revisit it. And I think as far as sporting and music venues go and offices too, my, this is kind of my parting thought is, you know, having success at a venue when it involves a location that provides services, whether it's an office or a store, you know, which even though it's selling goods, it's also providing services or a sporting venue or a music venue or anything else. The way to, the way to succeed is you have to be very transparent with yourself and very honest in the good and the bad about why people don't or do come to your place, right? It's not only about what you offer. There's a million factors. It's location, it's management, it's a zillion things. And I don't think offices are that different anymore. I think they had like a century or more where they really didn't, you know, the police sort of didn't have any choice. And so you didn't have to do all that much. It, it, some companies like the, the classic Silicon Valley companies would throw so much free food and laundry in there that they were trying to make you never leave. But the fundamental office equation was always still the same, right? Whether I get you to stay there from six in the morning till nine at night, or whether I just kind of make you come in every day, it's kind of expected. That's the way the model of work worked. And so I think that, that that's evolving and it's you know it's just like if you know if you off run an office or you run a restaurant you run a bar you run a club you run a stadium you have to be very honest about why people come or don't come and why they need to be there or don't need to be there and i think that's the analysis that's going to happen yeah i think that's a good uh, ending point right i mean uh, the pandemic has caused us to rethink and reprioritize you know just what everything imaginable that we do in our world and why we do it so, yeah the technology right. too right it's, it's the twins it's mm -hmm. it's it's the uh disruption plus the technology yeah yeah you know, so anyhow we will, we will use it 
when it works and discard what doesn't, hopefully. Yes, at the risk of waxing philosophical, but uh, occasionally <laughs> we indulge ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll indulge the audience now by stopping. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this brings us to end of time for today's episode. So we'll thank you for listening as always. And we hope you enjoy our podcast and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access our episodes on www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe. And if you like us and what we say, please leave a review or a rating. We'd love it. Otherwise, you can pick up uh, transcripts that we are capturing in real time on the podcast uh, on my website. You'll have to go there to look for it, but it, it is available. If you don't have time to listen, you can read along just as well. So that's it from my end. I'm John Arnold. And I'm Chris Fine. So long, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for bearing with us as always. John, great to be with you as always. Same and best for summer. <laughs>